convicted. It's just the positive message you don't hear on other radio stations. Keeps me going every day. God truly is using Christian radio. WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way. Current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars, and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. everyone and welcome in to Signs of the Times. It's our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, December 18th in the year is 2020. I'm your host, Greg Hilt, along with Pastor Mark Kirk, our senior pastor at Calvary Knoxville, our resident prophetologist and a passion for prophecy. And for the times that we live in, we are blessed, first of all, that God has given us his prophetic word. And we are blessed to have men such as Pastor Mark. He's not the only one, but we are blessed to have him have a passion for, for, for prophecy so he can dive into God's word as God, God's word reveals and tells us scripture interprets scripture. Privacy is up to no private interpretation of man right. and allow God's word to tell us what is going to happen in the future. And we are blessed to know that for the times that we're in, because for the times that we're in, we don't have to panic. We don't have to fear. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to be bewildered. We don't have to be anxious. That's right. That's right. And and again, we all are different parts of the body. So you talked about prophecy and there's different parts of the body. And right now that part of the body is needed greatly. It's like, you know, if you have one hand that's hurt, you've got the other one. If you got something that, you know, again, this is, I think prophecy is so important right now. And I want to encourage our listeners and our pastors out there. I I know we do have pastors out there listening. Um, And I encourage you, if you don't know prophecy, uh, get beefed up on it. Tune into the show. Read books on prophecy. Get beefed up because the days from this point on, we're going to be living prophecy out rather uh, dramatically and radically from this point on. You need to know it. And I've talked to pastors who said, well, it's good to have a little bit of prophecy. I don't need much because the main body of the scripture is what we need. I agree with that. But when you're entering into a time where there's so much prophetically happening, that is the main body that we need in many ways right now. So get beefed up on prophecy. Well, especially when you consider one of the prophetic events is the falling away of the church. And part of the reason why they're falling away is because they're not being taught God's word. Right. They're buying into the lie of man or the deception of the enemy or the ways of the world. Right. Colossians 2, 8 tells us, uh, let no man deceive you through those things, but rather the only thing to really cling to is Jesus. So yeah. anyway, folks, thanks. Uh, we know that we have, uh, if you think COVID uh, 2020 has been crazy, our uh, our schedule here the last two months for this show has been crazy, so I know that we've missed uh, some Fridays being with you live as we've had some of our listeners contact us. So just a little bit of housekeeping for those of you that have not been following what we've shared recently. This will be our last show for 2020. We'll return in 2021 because the next two Fridays are actual holidays, just kind of how things work this year. So this is episode 151 and episode 152 will be January 8th. Now, I shared this with you before, Pastor Mark, on the show, but I've, I've got to share this for our listeners because I think this is so cool. And it's just in my stack for this week. Totally random fact that really fits, doesn't really fit with anything else going on this week. But it talks about the ocean and scientists estimate that the ocean produces between 50 to 80% of the Earth's oxygen. Amazing. Which is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And they attribute it to marine plankton, such as algae, bacteria, and drifting plants, all of which produce oxygen through photosynthesis. Well, amazing. So I yeah, just, yeah. you know, it, that just reminds me, and hopefully it's encouraging for you if you're listening. God, this is God's planet. 
He made it. He created it. He knows how to sustain it and sustain us. And so we need not worry that God is, isn't going to provide for us because he is, even as something as vital as oxygen that most of the time we take for granted because we breathe and don't even think about it. So anyway, we are blessed to serve a God the way we do. Yeah. A God like this. All right, Pastor Mark, before we get into um, what our main theme is for this first half hour, we do have a couple of listener questions that we need to get to that we've been holding on to. Uh, Because we've been absent. And the first one is from Lauren. And we're really bummed, Lauren, because we were supposed to answer this on 1211, but we could not be here on 1211. And that was Lauren's birthday. So, Lauren, a belated happy birthday to you. Yes, happy birthday. On 1211. And Lauren's question is about church leadership. And uh, Pastor Mark, she's got a a link here that she sent regarding a Hillsong pastor from the New York Times. And she says, what does the Bible say about church leadership during the end times? I feel like there have been well-known pastors exposed for moral failures, and I haven't heard many churches addressing the signs of the times, if you will. Why is that? Yeah, well, again, a very good question. And the answer is the Bible does address this issue, Lauren. And, uh, you know, it tells us that in the last days there will be a lot of false teachers. I don't know why it's not being addressed more. I think it is, I know, addressed from time to time, but it's, it's not really fun and I don't know really how productive it is for the church pointing out those leaders that fail because the world really takes that as an opportunity to blaspheme. Remember when David fell, Nathan pointed at David, you're the man. And, and he said, one of the things you've done, David, you give an opportunity for the enemy to blaspheme. And so um, it's not the kind of thing you want to give the opportunity uh, for the enemy to blaspheme. But we also don't pretend it's not there. We don't hide from the truth. And Jesus warned us in Matthew 24. He talked about many false prophets rising up in the last days. And then in First Timothy uh, chapter um, uh, four, he talks about the apostasy in the last days. He says that the spirit in, in chapter four, verse one, the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, that's a, a significant uh, launching point for the very end. Latter means the very end. There's last days and there's latter. Latter is at the very end. He says some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods. Again, all these false teachings. He says there's going to be those that do that. And then interestingly enough, in 2 Timothy 4.3, he says that many in the last days are going to want this. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy 4.3. He says, for the time will come. Again, this is the um, context of the last days in these letters he wrote to Timothy. The time will come. When they will not endure sound doctrine, that is, those who are listening to the Bible, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure all afflictions and do the work of, of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. So when you put all those together, the Lord said there will be false prophets in the last days. First Timothy warned us people are going to be open to doctrines of demons and false teaching. And then in second Timothy chapter four, verse three, he says there's going to be not only false teachers, but in the latter days at the, in this end time, they'll, we'll, they'll be heaping them up. I mean, just hordes of them, so to speak. And so again, it's, it's all, look, it's sad to see when these guys fall, um, and, um, they get, you know, whatever the recognition and they're not really the real thing. Sometimes they are the real thing and they just fall. Um, so we've seen that before. Yeah. So to answer your question, yes, there will be more that fall in the last days. Uh, to answer your second part of your question, why don't people point it out more? I think we do need to point it out when we come to it in scripture to warn the body of Christ. But I'd say, Lauren, we don't need to overly point to it any more than let's say someone knew of some sin that you did or that i did and 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 they love us you know the bible says love covers a multitude of sins and so just to point it out and make a point of it we don't hide it we speak the truth we're not pretending we're not who we uh say we are and uh not to be hypocritical but i think to overemphasize it could could really give opportunity for the enemy to blaspheme so well and it also brings up a a a good point and that is for the people listening in the churches you attend, pray for your pastors, pray for your church Absolutely. leadership, because yeah. they're marked. They're marked men from a spiritual battle yeah. standpoint, Yeah, because the enemy knows if the enemy can take down a senior pastor in some sort of sin, it doesn't really matter what it is, uh, and that pastor falls, 
that's evident to the entire congregation and can really cause the congregation to stumble, especially for those that are weaker in the faith, or maybe, unfortunately, looking at, as, at the pastor as their God, or they, they've elevated the pastor to a level that they're not supposed them to too be. Much. Yeah, giving them, give too, them much. too much. Yeah. And instead of uh, Jesus being on that platform, they look at the pastor at, at that level. And not everyone does that, but some. But, but for all of those reasons and many more I'm probably not even thinking of, um, that's why we need to be praying for wow. our pastors and our church leadership uh, because that can really cause a lot of division in the body and for people to, again, part of that falling away. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Lauren, thank you so much for that question. Uh, Pastor Mark, our next one comes from Sean, and Sean's question is about the Antichrist. Right. He asks, what scriptures point to the fact that the Antichrist is solely an individual? Yeah. Is it possible it could be an organization led by the Spirit of the Antichrist. Right. And again, another great question because we do know the spirit of Antichrist is working, but will there be a real Antichrist? Yeah, the Bible is very clear. There is a literal person called the Antichrist, you know, referred to as very often, really not very often, as the Antichrist. I don't know that they call him the Antichrist. It speaks of Antichrist coming or the Antichrist. But um, yeah, very specific individual. Jesus mentioned him. Um, first of all, addressing kind of this whole spirit of Antichrist. There is a spirit of Antichrist, and there's going to be, of course, this world conglomerate of nations that will be led by the spirit of Satan. And and the spirit of Antichrist, but eventually an actual leader over them. Um, Jesus said in John 5, 43, because he was being rejected, remember, by his own people. And in John 5, 43, he said, I've come in my father's name and you do not receive me. It says another if another comes in his own name, him you will receive. So he speaks. It's funny. He starts it out like if he comes, but then he confirms he is because he says you're going to receive him. And then. So he speaks, and we know that it literally is talking about this world leader that is going to claim to be the Messiah, even as Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And then it's really, there's a lot of places. The Bible calls him the wicked shepherd back in the Old Testament. And then here in Revelation 13 is probably one of the easiest ones for you to grab onto, um, just to use as a reference here, Sean. And that is when it's talking about the Antichrist and the false prophet, it talks about each of them being individuals. And um, the first one it talks about, he said he saw another beast coming up out of the sea. And he talks about, again, this, 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 what you're talking about, kind of this organization, if you will. But it says, then it goes to a personal pronoun of who these guys are. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by the signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. So there's the Antichrist. He's specifically mentioned as a he. And then it goes on later talking about the Antichrist granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. The image should be worshipped. Uh, he causes both uh, the Antichrist causes all both small and great, rich and free, poor and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And so it says, here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man. Mm. Okay. So he calls him specifically here a man. And then he says his number is 666. So yeah, there are many personal pronouns used to describe the Antichrist and the false prophet. They're definitely literal people, although there will be a larger organization wrapped around them, which is, again, what Sean's question was wondering. Is there that distinction? Well, and it's probably fair to say that the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. Um, Absolutely. And, and trying to put that organization together. So Really, Sean, the Antichrist is not only an individual, but he will be leading an organization that the Bible identifies as the revived Roman Empire, yeah. or what we know as the one world government, right. which which will be in place, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Mark, but that will be in place prior to him ascending. Yeah, it has to be. To, that, to the position of world leader. Yeah, because it says he's going to rise up right. and pull three of them down. There'll be 10 coming together. So he's it'll, be a group, rise it'll up. be a group-led effort at first. Yep. And then he's coming in, he rises up, he yanks three of them down, and it's interesting, Greg, that means there's seven left, but he himself becomes the eighth. He's not the eighth nation, but he's the leader over this seven. So you have this, it's interesting kind of this, what he's doing here, this imitation of Christ. (laughs) He has this grouping of seven, which is the number of completion, okay, which God always uses in groupings of seven, the seven churches, I mean, all the sevens. The number uh, eight is the number of new beginnings and is the number of the Messiah. So he's coming in to yank three down, leave seven that are there. He himself being the eight that takes over and uh, kind of that picture of I have all things complete now and I'm the new beginning. You're going to look to me. 
Um, just so many pictures here, really, of the of the Antichrist uh, trying to take over the place of the Christ. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, really amazing. All right. Well, Sean, thank you so much for that question. And if you've got questions like Sean and Lauren, you can go to Facebook and just type in at Prophecy Help. You can also tweet us on Twitter by that same handle, at Prophecy Help, or just go to our website at thesigns.org and click on questions, and you can send us your question that way as well. All right, Pastor Mark, for the uh, remaining 15 minutes that we have here, and however you want to spill this into the next uh, next segment. Yes. Uh, we are in the Advent season, so to speak. Uh, Christmas is just, what, literally a, a week from today, yeah. right? Is that yeah, what we're talking a week from about? today. A it's week next from today. Friday. That is exactly right. Um, you are getting a lot of questions about the Christmas star. And there's an article from Forbes that says uh, what this week's impossibly rare Christmas star on the solstice tells us about the star of Bethlehem. Now, this is a science-based uh, article that's, yes. that's in Forbes, uh, but then the Bible talks about a star, and then you're going to kind of put this all together and explain to us what this star is, what they're seeing today, what the shepherds, what the magi saw when they were led to... Yeah the the baby jesus absolutely let me read a little bit of the article greg not a lot you guys can look it up it's all over the internet but each december planetariums and astronomers across the globe pontificate um on the origin rather of the christmas star or the star of bethlehem as the story of the gospel of matthew goes a bright star rose over the birth of jesus christ that the wise men then followed to find him was it a comet, a supernova? Uh, could it have been in conjunction with two planets? I think about a comet, that's funny, because you'd have to be chasing it at, what, what, 100,000 miles an hour? I don't know. Anyway, uh, was it a comet, a supernova? <laughs> could it have been a conjunction yes. of two planets? Or was it just a throwaway fictional detail that should be, shouldn't be taken seriously? Either way, this week, uh, there will be a great conjunction. That's the term used by astronomers to describe a situation in the solar system when Jupiter and Saturn appear to pass each other very closely. A conjunction, an apparent passing of the two uh, or more celestial bodies, while a great conjunction refers only to Jupiter and Saturn. Jupiter and Saturn tangle in a great conjunction as seen from Earth every 19.85 Earth years. Now, if you want the specifics, there you have them. So watch your clock. Set your timer. 19.85. It's a natural symptom. Uh, of Jupiter taking 11.86 years to orbit the sun, Saturn 29.4 years, which naturally means they will sometimes appear to pass each other in the night sky. And again, the article goes on talking about the science of it, um, and they give it a more regular here. If you go on and read, you'll find that others say it's, it's the first time, I guess, technically this kind has happened in something like 700 and some years and I've heard this over the years. People say, hey, maybe this was the star of Bethlehem. And as you said, Greg, people are asking me, is this, is this what God did and how God did it or whatever? Well, let me just start by saying, um, could God use some type of event like that to get someone's attention, to get them going in the right direction? Certainly he could use that. Um, and so I can't rule out that maybe God would use something like that to kind of get them on their camel and get them heading that way. But you're talking about over in Iraq and Iran, riding all the way over to Bethlehem, hundreds of miles away. Um, so is this the Christmas star? The answer is no. And I, I'll give you the biblical basis for that in a moment, but there's even videos out there. And I don't want to, again, I'm not trying to, um, disparage anyone that's done a video on this and they're looking at it saying we can now explain the christmas star there's videos out there you can get and here's how it happened Mm. it's the same kind of thing right here interesting the problem is it just doesn't line up with scripture when you really go through the bible and then work it out i want to do a little bit of that now uh, with the time we have left because the christmas story it's kind of good to share it anyway but i'm not going to read all of it i want to read parts of it i want to point something out in luke and then we'll go to matthew and read some of it but in luke if you remember when jesus's birth was announced the angel gabriel came and he announced him that you're going to have a child john the baptist and uh etc and he'll be the forerunner of the messiah then you go on over in luke and you get to um later on in luke chapter uh, one and then you see gabriel goes to mary and says mary hey you're gonna have a baby and it's gonna be virgin born and all this we know that john doubted uh therefore he couldn't speak until uh john was born and god gave him speech again we know that mary did not Ze- doubt. Zechari- zechariah i'm sorry zechariah doubted zechariah. about about john about john the baptist yeah, about john yes. he, he yeah. doubted yeah. about john actually ha- being born and so he was unable to speak for a while. Then the Gabriel goes to Mary, 
Mary didn't doubt God's word, but Mary said, how is this going to happen? So she didn't get any kind of chastisement because she believed God. And he said, you're going to be a virgin, but God's going to come upon you and just make you supernaturally pregnant. Okay, so Mm -hmm. so Gabriel shows up to both of them. He seems to be the messenger angel. I'm not saying there aren't others and there probably are, but he used Gabriel those two times. And what's interesting about the Bible, Greg, when we talk about the star, I believe that the star they followed was an angel. And I believe the scripture bears that out. And where do I get that? First of all, we see in Job chapter 38, God has called stars stars, but he also calls angels stars. stars. Yeah, they're used yeah. both. They're used, both are used. Angels are called stars and stars are called stars. So, and the context bears out what you're talking about. When it says in Job Celestial 38. Celestial versus angelic. Yeah. And when it says in 38, it says when God created, the stars sang together. Well, it's <laughs> kind of fanciful to think about. It's, it's fanciful yeah. to think that the stars could make noises and you could maybe make some theological argument, but it would appear more likely he's speaking of the angels he created. They've now joined in song and they're singing with God. It's almost like the choir singing in the background while the pastor's giving the message. The Lord is speaking the word and creating everything, yeah. and there's music. It's beautiful. That's amazing. It, it yeah. really is. So so we do know that angels are referred to as stars, and I believe that this particular uh, star was indeed an angel. And I'll go so far as to say I speculate, the Bible does not say, but I speculate that this was Gabriel as well. And the reason being is God used Gabriel as the messenger star in at least two that we know of, of the events in Jesus' birth and announcing it. It would seem logical that God would use Gabriel to lead them to Jesus, but that we don't know. So we can't put that down as 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 Bible for sure, so to speak. But listen to what it says. Here's why I, I believe the scripture reveals that the star was not some natural phenomenon in the heavens. And we'll get why really it's impossible in just a moment. But listen to what it says. It says, and this is Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, they didn't know what it was. They probably didn't go, hey, that's an angel. They just knew yeah. there's a star. Yeah. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And again, um, you know, it says that the, 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 they inquired of them where the Christ should be born. They said in Bethlehem of Judea, that is, the, they asked the, uh, the scribes and uh, the Pharisees, or the scribes, uh, the Bible scholars, if you will, of the day. And, and they said in Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are not least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. This is interesting. This is why we know they didn't come till about two years later. This is kind of another, uh, you know, throw a wrench in the Christmas story because <laughs> people show the, the wise men showing up that night. No, this yeah. is about two years later. And we know that a couple of reasons. One is uh, because Herod kills all the children two and under. So he said he took the time of the star and killed everybody that could have been under the star. And um, and also he found the baby in a house rather than a manger when they got there. So we, we see that probably it was about two years later when they finally arrived. But however, here's what happened. It says, um, he called the wise men, determined from them when the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you've found him, bring back word to me and I can come and worship him. Notice he called him a young child. This being again a couple years later. And then when Herod the king departed, uh, when they heard the king, they departed. And look at this. And behold, the star which they'd seen in the east, they, mm. that is, they were in the east looking west, but they'd seen it in the east, went before them. And it starts moving. <laughs> and and, and here's, here's another, in another gospel that says this, Greg, and I can't go to all of them. It says, and when the star appeared, again, when, they, when the star reappeared. So it means there was a time the star disappeared. And at this time of year, especially in Israel, you it wouldn't be cloudy enough for they clear, wouldn't clear they skies. Would, yeah, they would have just said, yeah. "Hey," they would have said, "We can't see it right now; it's cloudy." But they said the star reappeared. They rejoiced when the star reappeared. So apparently, the star disappeared for a while. Then the star reappeared. Well, a normal star wouldn't do that; it wouldn't disappear and reappear. And again, the star is moving in front of them. And notice this: it 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 went before them until it came and stood over where the where the young child was in other words it physically moved it came to a house and then it stopped and it said when they saw the star here's the here it's actually here i was thinking it was a different uh, gospel but it says when they saw the star they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy that implies they didn't see the star for a moment now they're seeing it again and they came into the house now here's the reason again i believe it was an angel because we see the star moving uh, we know that angels are referred to as stars. We see the star disappeared and the star came back. But this is the real clincher. There is no way 
when you look at the villages, first of all, let me just say this. If you take a house by itself and put it out in the middle of a, a field and there's no other houses, let's say for 100 miles in all directions, but that one house, you still could not find a house under a star. You couldn't find a house under the moon. And look how close the moon to us is to us. Right. Yeah. My point is this star came down so low and so specific that it stood over a specific house they could see and choose to go into. You can't do that with a normal star that's up, you know, so many light years away. Now, also, when you look at the villages in that day, Greg, when you lived in a village, they had house, literally house upon house upon house. They were all right there clumped together in this big group. Even if somehow you thought you could find some star light years away and pick out the village, which you couldn't do, you certainly couldn't pick out the individual house where someone was that you're supposed to go in. No, this was something that appeared before them, led them. They were able to specifically follow it. It disappeared. It reappeared and they rejoiced. It went to a specific house in a neighborhood where there were lots of houses. It came down so low that you could pick the house. It was over and they went to the front door and knocked. That's no ordinary star. That's not a conjunction of Saturn and Venus. Yeah. That's not some nice video about the, what the star of Bethlehem was. Not even the moon could lead you to a place like that. Uh, we, I've talked about it before. I remember as a kid driving in the car, you know, and on the way to the beach or whatever, trying to get, when will we get under the moon? We never seem to get there because you can't. <laughs> so, again, the bottom line is, 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 in one way you go, wow, that kind of changes the story when you understand it. But to me, it makes it that much more exciting mm-hmm. that God sent a specific messenger, an angel, to lead them to Jesus to show them the exact house that he was in. And the Bible says the angels are ministers of God ministering unto the saints. So God sends the angels to do that. God sends angels to us today to lead us to the things of Jesus or to lead us to the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the real one that does it. But he he uses angels to intervene in our life, whether it's to protect us from some situation or Mm. direct us in some other way. So, again, um, a great the Christmas story. It's a great time to celebrate the Christmas story, but to really realize the supernatural involved in it. You know, again, Mm. I think a lot of times, Greg, we have this tendency to want to explain something scientifically that has no scientific explanation. And I think sometimes when people try to look at the stars aligning or whatever, they think, well, here's how it happened. You're taking away really the supernatural wonder of it by doing that. God just did it. And I believe he sent an angel to do it. Again, I saw, I was watching a program on the Smithsonian Channel last night. They got some great documentaries and I saw one about mysteries of the Bible or searching something. And they oh always, boy. they always bother me, but I watched I it because you can learn some stuff if okay. you're, if you're well versed you in scripture. Discern, yes. Yeah. If you're well versed in scripture, you know what to spit out. And I learned some cool stuff and saw some cool archaeology. Oh. It was great. But again, they got back to this thing about the Bible says they went into the Red Sea and they started saying, well, really, it's they probably the didn't. Sea. It's really the Red Sea. And you come back to the whole thing we've talked about before because <laughs> they couldn't have crossed in the Red Sea. And so they had to. But, you know, the answer again, you, you have you create greater problems when you try to take away the miracle of God, because now you've got to drown again the entire Egyptian army in, in 11 inches of water. So, so which miracle's greater, that, exactly. that God split the Red Sea or that he drowned the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea, which is only 11 inches deep? So, you, again, don't mess with God's word. God's word is God's word. And he said that he sent a star. They followed it. It stood over a house. You cannot explain that in a natural way. And you can't even say it was a real star because a star, a real star would be so gigantic it would have swallowed the earth up by the time it got down close enough to see the house. I mean, they're gigantic. So absolutely. So again, multiple times bigger than the sun, which right. is a star. So I think it's really cool. You probably had an angel right there. Probably again, probably Gabriel. It may not have been. We'll find out one day. Um, but again, don't lose the wonder of Christmas. We think about being mm. a child and all the wonder of Christmas. We well, you know what? As an adult, we have the wonder of Christmas all over again when we see what God did, sending supernatural angels, protecting Jesus, the miracles that he has done. Uh, God coming in human form, it is a wonder whether you're a grown-up and you don't get excited about Santa or whatever anymore. Um, you know, the bottom line is is that, you know, enjoy the wonder of Christmas. Enjoy Jesus. Enjoy your Savior. Celebrate Christmas. Don't lose the wonder. And we'll celebrate here Wednesday night. We'll have our Christmas service, and we'll have our, our, uh, our Christmas desserts and all afterwards, and we're going to just celebrate and have a wonderful time and invite anyone that doesn't have a place to go, Calvary Chapel here on John Sevier Highway on uh, Wednesday for our Christmas special Christmas service. Thank you, Pastor Mark. When we come back in the second half, 
We're going to learn the real goal of Russia, the real goal of the World Economic Fund, and talk about a new strain of COVID-19 as our show continues right here. This is Signs of the Times on WIAM. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. W-I-A-M-L-P. 101.1 FM, Knoxville. It's Crazy Money Day. Hi, I'm Chuck Bentley with My Money Life from Crown. A rich young ruler asked Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. Jesus told him, Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. But he couldn't do it. Could you? Chuck Finney did. The 89-year-old co-founder of the duty-free shops and airports amassed an $8 billion fortune. He lived frugally for decades so he could give away as much as possible. Now, I don't know if he's a believer, but I do know he recently set aside just enough money to provide for himself and his wife, then donated all the rest. He lives in a modest apartment with few possessions. He doesn't own a car or any luxuries. He wears a $15 watch. He has no need to impress anyone. Finney found joy helping others. Jesus intended that for us. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. But our enemy robs us of experiencing that truth when we give into the things of this world. We're to trust God in every circumstance. If we believe that God really loves us and will give us only that amount of money that we can handle without worry, we can have perfect peace in our finances, but not until we've committed everything to Him. Money is a training ground where God develops our faithfulness. Giving here on earth is actually making deposits into a heavenly account, that treasure in heaven that Jesus referred to. Unfortunately, the rich young ruler missed out. Now, credit card debt can keep us from giving generously. If you're struggling, I recommend Christian credit counselors. They can create a debt management plan just for you. For more information, call the Crown Helpline, 800-722-1976. Or visit online at crown.org slash ccc. A moment of grace with Ed Taylor. You know, people will use guilt to motivate. They'll drop what? A guilt trip on you. And because of that guilt trip, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess I will. God's not like that. What God likes to lay upon you is not a guilt trip, but a love trip. And the way that he does that is by initiating everything with you. The truest motivator for us in our relationship with God is God's love. That the Bible says we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. For more biblical encouragement to help you grow deeper in your love relationship with Jesus, visit edtaylor.org. Again, that's edtaylor.org. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor is a presentation of Calvary Aurora. Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of our weekly look at Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news. These are the signs of the times for Friday, December 18th, 2020. I'm your host, Greg Hilt. Pastor Mark Kirk is here to help us understand what's going on in our world today from a biblically prophetic point of view. Uh, As we said in the first half, this is our last show of 2020. We will be back uh, with our first show of 2021 on January 8th. Next two Fridays are holidays, and we are going to take advantage of those, just like most people will. Uh, But rest assured that prophecy will continue to crank on, so to speak. Um, Prophecy doesn't stop, and our God never sleeps. Haven't really... Pastor Mark talked about Ezekiel 38 and 39 news recently, uh, but this is uh, not surprising, (laughs) Uh, given it it almost feels like from a prophetic viewpoint worldwide, especially after the election in November, it feels like God's hand has been lifted again or lifted more away from 
Uh, and this is from Israel365news.com, stating that Russia's ultimate goal is the establishment of a Palestinian state. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, um, this is important because you see what's going on with Russia. We know they're a major player and realize they're restating, hey, our 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 ultimate goal, again, is still to get this Palestinian state, which is what the Antichrist is going to do by bringing everybody together. And so it also could be a major motivation for Russia to join with Iran in their move against Israel, which we know is going to happen. Uh, he says normalization or, uh, between Israel and the Arab states does not mean a resolution to the Palestinian issue must become a second priority. Russian's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, said in a meeting uh, with his United Arab Emirates counterpart, Sheikh Abdullah bin Zaid al Nayyan in Russia on Monday. How, how can you fit that on a form when you're filling out a form? I, I don't know. And, and he's like, this is, what, again, that's just an amazing name. They have long names. Uh, he says, we are uniting in our opinion with the United Arab Emirates on the Palestinian issue. The normalization of Israel's ties with Arab states is gaining steam. Overall, this is, of course, a positive phenomena because it eliminates long-standing disputes and establishes channels of cultural and legal communication, said Lavrov. Uh, Lavrov, how are you saying? Lavrov. Lavrov emphasized that the international community needed to help to kickstart direct talks between Palestine and Israel. Notice they're trying to get this going again. And I quote, I believe that we can and should combine the efforts of the international quartet with the Arab quartet to be established in order to agree conditions for renewing direct negotiations. They're saying, look, we have this quartet of America, Russia, all these. He's saying, we need an Arab quartet. He's introducing, saying, bring an Arab quartet together. Let's bring all of them together and, and just do this whole thing as a, as a larger entity so we have the Arabs represented. Mm -hmm. He says, our ultimate goal is the achievement of full normalization in the Middle East, the establishment of, of a Palestinian state, and the establishment of ties between Israel and all countries, he added. So it's just interesting to note and to keep our eyes on the fact that the ultimate goal of what Russia wants is lining up with, again, what's going to happen in this battle, and you can see what would influence that. They're trying to work toward giving the Palestinians a nation. When Israel does or doesn't allow that and the tensions rise too high, that's when we're going to see them make a move. I think what's interesting in this article is this is the first time that I can really remember in all of the articles that we've covered Regarding Russia's involvement in the region, right? whether it's their military alliances or pacts with Iran or their involvement to come down into Syria because of the civil war in Syria right. and then establishing their military presence there, which we know is prophetic. Uh, but we've always we've always almost always tied Russia's desire to be in the area to the natural resources that are currently under israel's control because of what ezekiel says what what is going to be said to russia when they come in this uh joint invasion right. are you here to take the spoils the the treasures the right. whatever and so we've always talked about the the oil reserves and the golan heights and the natural gas research reserves called leviathan out there in the mediterranean but this is the first time that i've heard russia really promote the political component of this yeah which is the the palestinian state which everyone else is talking about right but russia really hasn't been that involved at least not to my rem memory so yeah. this is a new turn maybe well no you, you had you're right i think it's turning it up some now we've always had the quartet they've been involved in the quartet which the goal is to get a palestinian state so they've been in part politically involved there for years but now to see the article where they're using that kind of as their as their punch forward, so to speak, is saying that we need that. I don't know that I remember, uh, and we may have covered articles, Greg, but I can't remember any articles where they specifically came out and they made a statement about the need. They were kind of just a willing partner talking about it in the group to discuss it. Right. It's almost like the board member that's there, but they don't make many comments for a couple of years, and suddenly they speak up about something. That's kind of what we're looking at. Yeah, and that's really what it feels like to yeah. me as, yeah. as well. Yeah. You may be a businessman or some high one thing we've definitely been seeing here in the year 2020 is the push for that one world government under the guise of, man, we have got to control this virus. Right. <laughs> yeah. We need global leadership That's right. to control COVID. I'm telling you, wow, COVID-19, I'm telling you, that is the prophetic tool yeah. of I mean, since 1948. It's one, I mean, of the, the, yeah, it's one of the biggest preps we've had prophetically. Prophetically. Probably since 48. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Uh, this article 
uh, just furthers that from Breitbart.com, uh, talking about the World Economic Fund. And maybe you can talk about what they are, Pastor Mark, for our listeners who might not have even heard of the World Economic Fund. But they're saying that they want to use central banks and big business to help, quote unquote, vaccinate yeah. the world. Yeah. Well, and certainly they are the, the funding of the world. But, but the WEF is really the World Economic Forum, which we've talked about or in the past. Greg. Yes. That's, no, but they do. They're the funders. So really, no, that's funny. That's kind yeah, of a. That's kind of. I mean, you're, what you said, yeah, what you said is really appropriate. <laughs> yeah. It's not the word they use here, but the World Economic Forum believes a management trium, uh, uh, triumvirate, triumvirate. I'm not sure how to say. It. Never heard that word, but it means the three coming together, compromising big business, central banks, and the government can play a pivotal role in the global take up of the Corona's uh, vaccinations. Uh, workplace norms and employees, they say, that encourage pandemic time discipline even after the vaccination programs kick off will play a pivotal role in driving continued positive outcomes. It then points to what it believes the combination of tech, big government, and globalist organizations can achieve, and that's the triumvirate. Governments, central banks, and organizations like the WHO, World Health Organization, are hugely supported by enterprises joining the good fight. uh, Public-private partnerships, adopting the all-hands-on-deck approach, have served us tremendously well, even as corporations fight their own battle to protect employees, redeploy capabilities to help new pressing needs, and steady cash flows, and keep the economy running. From contact tracing apps, digital health passports. Now, again, we hadn't talked much about that, but they're looking at digital health passports. I may bring that article in next week where we all get a passport that shows we've had the shot. Again, so we can travel freely. Israel's asking for that now. Uh, technology for safer public spaces, vaccine discovery, logistics capabilities for vaccine distribution to massive philanthropic funding for community support. Enterprises are truly partnering nations struggling to tie things over through these trying times. Let me just sum this up because it's, it's a lot of big words and a mouthful. What he's saying is basically we need this triune of these of all these things, that is um, tech, big tech, big government, and globalism, to get everybody on board with the vaccine. And if all these work together, if, if, if tech works together to encourage everybody to get a shot, if government works together to have everybody get a shot, if the globalists like with the WHO and the, and the World uh, Economic Forum, if they all push for the world shot, then everybody will get it. Now, is this um, the mark of the beast? We've said it before. No, it is not. The mark of the beast is specifically imp- implemented by the Antichrist, and it will be a specific digital marking that can be traced uh, that you'll be taking. It's not a shot. There's nothing in this shot that's a, that's a, a chip or a digital marking. Um, but at the same time, it's the prep work, as we said, for this. And if they can get the whole world to go along with this, Greg, if everybody agrees we all need to do this, then when that mark comes along and there's going to be a greater need, it'll have to do with things other than a vaccine. If it was just vaccines, it probably wouldn't happen. It'll have to do with, okay, you've had vaccines. You've also got this, this, this. You've got your, your, your banking, your life. The way the world's going to be set up globally, you're going to need a digital number, a digital something, which will eventually become the digital mark that will be on the hand or the forehead, implemented by the Antichrist, as we saw in Revelation 13 earlier, um, but this is getting us ready to receive it. Uh, it's prepping us. This is preparation for the for the real deal. This is the beginning for it. We talked about how right now when you go into restaurants and schools, they 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 take your temperature on your wrist or your forehead. Well, why on your wrist or your forehead? Again, this is I believe um, spiritual and demonic conditioning to get us used to having something to do with our hand and our forehead. The whole world does it. Go along. It's not a problem. We're all safe. And by the way, when we're all so sick and tired of wearing masks and hiding in our houses. And that's part of why this has been drug out so long, Give too. me anything to get yeah. me out of this. You know what I mean? So that yep. everybody will take it. And we'll talk in a later, a letter, maybe even next week, we'll talk about vaccines and getting to some of that. But, yeah, you're going to be so wanting to take it. Yeah. That or you're maybe gonna we'll be... come back on January 8th and on the show here. Oh, yeah, because we are yeah. for two weeks, We're right? off for two weeks. Well, so. we'll have to hit that January 8th. So okay, we'll, so. But you'll be ready then. Yes, and hopefully by then um, you won't have to be pressured to. You can make up your mind with some information, but there's information out there that yeah, you get so as we well. can go into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like we've already got the shot. Your show's no good now. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway. Yeah, thanks for telling us, Pastor Mark. That's right. Two weeks too late. Yeah, so this again, uh, you're going to see the world coming together to get everyone to go along to do a world thing together. And that's what we're eventually going to see with the Mark of the Beast. We're being prepped. All right, well, speaking of COVID-19, this is from Forbes.com. Forbes, a big contributor to this week's show. Uh, This is a new strain of COVID-19 has emerged in England. Here is what it could mean for the pandemic and for vaccines. Yeah. Do tell. Heaven help us all. Last thing we need is something else to to happen. (laughs) Well, notice, and I'll tell you what I think maybe the motivation is here, and hopefully this will dissolve. But look at this. Britain's health secretary, Matt Matt Hannock, told politicians Monday um, that a new, and that's where your problem came in. You got politicians involved. That a new variant yes. of COVID-19 had been discovered in England where it had infected over a thousand people in the south of the country where cases have been rising dramatically, leading many to question whether the new mutant strain is capable of spreading more easily, causing worse symptoms or potentially rendering the new vaccines ineffective. In other words, the shot will do you no good. <laughs> that wouldn't said, surprise me. Now, they're not saying this will yeah. happen. Here's yeah, what, but know, I'll, tell I I think, I'll tell you where I think this okay. is going in just okay. a moment. I mean, this is just maybe some spiritual uh, uh, nudging from the Lord, and maybe not. I'll, I'll qualify this. In a good way? Like in a helpful way? In an enlightenment way. Okay. In, here's okay. what's going All on, right. maybe. Okay. Hancock said it was unclear to what extent outbreaks in the south of England have been put under uh, our the outbreaks in the south of England, which have been put under new lockdown restrictions because of the surging cases, were caused by the new strain or whether the mutations had led uh, to a change in the virus behavior. He said there was nothing to suggest that the mutant would cause more serious, a more serious disease, though he did say that the mutation is linked to a virus spike protein, which is instrumental in allowing it to reproduce and spread and is the target of many leading vaccines currently developed including Pfizer uh, and one currently being rolled out of the UK and the US. Hancock said the World Health Organization had been notified and British scientists were conducting in-depth studies. Professor Martin Hibbard from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine said, and I quote... No, wait a minute. That's a... In the interesting, from the what of what? In the, in the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Hygiene and tropical medicine. That's to, an interesting combination. It probably has Sorry. to do with diseases I, on islands and things, oh, okay. maybe. I don't know, but it's very interesting. Sorry, it just got my attention. No, it is. Okay. It's very different wording there. He said, and I quote, it is too early to say how important the new variant is yet, adding that it could be the result of chance events as well as a more transmissible strain. Now, what's going on here? Again, I think you figured it out. It's pretty clear in the article. They're saying, you know what? Your shot you're getting now may do you no good because it may have mutated now, and so it doesn't work. Now, I, I don't know where the, this is going to go, but let me say this. I personally believe, Greg, and this is why I don't know if it's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to blame it on God if it's just me. But I get this sense that the world did not expect there to be a vaccine this fast. I personally think that um, the spirit realm wanted to prep the world longer, get the world more frustrated, get mankind more willing to do pretty much anything to get out of this um, mask and lockdown stuff, right? And so let this go on for a few years because usually it takes years to develop a vaccine and then everybody's going to be so sick of it, they'll do whatever. Everybody be willing to take a vaccine, i.e. everybody will be willing at some point to take a mark as well to show they've had the vaccine and all these other things, which is what the Antichrist is leading us to. And and the fact that um, President Trump was able to, and the government here, able to speed things up so rapidly with this Operation Warp Speed that within seven months we had a, a vaccine. I mean, it, that's unheard of. It's five to ten years on these things. Right. I think it took the world by shock. It's almost like, wait a minute. We got a vaccine. We need to keep people in masks longer because, see, from the earthly perspective, Greg, and the political perspective, man has his agenda. And I think that politics are using the lockdown and the masks um, in a large way, not denying the reality of the virus, but in a large way it's being used to shape the world politically. Okay, that's on the earthly level. And I think from their viewpoint, hey, we hadn't had time. You, you, you healed this too quickly. We've got more stuff to do, so we can't have a vaccine yet. That's why you've seen it slow down, I think, actually, where they've been, why aren't you improving it? Why? And that's why I believe... This may be a political move, possibly, to say, you know what? Don't everybody celebrate. We may need a few more years to develop a new vaccine. We're right back where we were. Oh, my. It may be. Now, hang on. But then there's the spiritual component, 
where I believe that the enemy wants it to go a little longer too. And that is, we need to get people, again, I, I think so exasperated about having to follow these rules that we'll do anything to get out of it. And if you, human nature is such that if you make people miserable enough, everybody will talk. At some point, you're going to break. I don't care what kind of spy you are, what kind of training you've had, you're going to break. You can break any human. And I think that the enemy's trying to break mankind, so we'll give up, give in, and just take this mark, and then we'll all be safe. So it'll be interesting. This could be nothing more than kind of a um, a ruse. It could be something that's legitimate, but it's not going to be anything, or it could be something the enemy's doing to start this back up and to try to get, uh, you know, remember we talked about pestilences. Yeah. Um, and so who knows where it's going to go. But again, it could be nothing more than, okay, we're going to need multiple vaccines for multiple strains. Now you really need to keep up with it in a digital way to prove you've had all these. And hence, you've got to have the digital card or a digital mark or the digital passport or something to travel. So again, the bottom line is we're being formulated to get in line with this mark that will eventually come. But this could just be further pressure and directing of it. I find it interesting and, and uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I find it interesting. I I guess what I've expected, I've expected mankind to push back. I've expected mankind to rebel against this prolonged oppression. And what I find is interesting is that COVID-19 is not the watchword for me for 2020. Like like time has their person of the year right. or whatever. Okay. You have a word for the I year? I have a word for the year. Right. And it's fear. Yeah. Because fear has been the ultimate device of control yeah. Yeah. over the whole world. Yeah. To an extent that even I didn't even. I mean, I knew that there would be to a certain extent. Yeah. But I did not expect it to go like it's gone to yeah. the depths that it's gone yeah. where people, I mean, I'm imagining people, all they're seeing is floating little COVID-19s flying through the air by the way people are acting and behaving. Right. And and again, not taking away the legitimacy of the virus because it's a legitimate virus. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, there will be legitimate earthquakes, viruses, famines, pestilence in various places in plurality he was speaking not just a one-time thing so we're not discounting that the virus is legit but it's being blown up way bigger than what it actually is for the purposes of control absolutely totally fits into satan's personality yeah because again we talked about what it says in isaiah i think 14 where it where it talks about they're they're gonna they're gonna walk essentially by Satan and go is this the guy oh yeah that when was they doing see all, him when they see him down in Hades when yes Hades, yeah, is this yeah. the guy that did all these right, things right. I mean people are gonna be just so blown away so this totally fits in yeah. to Satan's personality yeah and I would even add to that I think fear definitely is that highway that's been used but I think the ultimate goal you know Greg is is this to drive you to submission it's yes. that worldwide submission yes. to the Antichrist and fear is the avenue fear is the is the, the wow uh, the way to get there Amazing. and you know it's, we talked about this I think we touched on it in the last couple of weeks from I'm here that or I mentioned it on a, a service time but remembering Job the the one thing that Satan said for sure this will work. First of all, yeah. he said, you know, let me get at him. Then he got his his economy and his family and all that. Job didn't break. And to Job's credit, nothing broke him. But the thing that Satan felt sure would get him does get most people. It couldn't a strong believer. See, Job was a strong believer, so it couldn't get to him. That's why we as believers aren't living in fear right now. Because if, you're, if you trust God, you're not, you're not um, uh, directed by fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But it's interesting what he said when his first attempt at Job failed after taking away his economy and taking away his, you know, his money and his family and all that. He said, let me add his body. Let me add his flesh. Let yeah. me hurt him. Yeah. He said, a man will do anything for his skin, skin yep. for skin, skin do for anything. Skin, yes. So, so let me bring fear about what the ultimate outcome was going to happen to him. Not his, not his money, not even his family, him. And why would Satan do that? Because Satan knows that we're motivated by fear, and he knows that fear is the, probably one of the greatest motivators that he can use. So fear has been used with COVID-19 to motivate the world. So why did the world go along? I, you nailed it. Fear. And Satan's reason for giving that avenue of fear is the ultimate goal of submission. However you get there, whether it's fear, whether it's force, whatever it is, got to get there. And um, and so that's that's the avenue he's chosen. And and again, the only ones that are walking in freedom are the believers who know God's word and are walking in the spirit. Yeah. And and it, you know, it, it we have freedom it makes the world angry to see us walking in freedom. Well, in the level of control 
that's being proposed that we're talking about and that is amazing to me under the whole guise of for safety. Yeah. We've got to be able to track people, tracing, this contact tracing That's stuff. Right. That's right. All of these things, using technology or whatever the case, or now you can't go places without uh, you know, a, a passport or something that says that you've had the vaccine. Digital passporting, yeah, that, it's that, coming up. That will, that, will, that will eventually get to that buy and sell yeah. part. And, and that, that's really not going to happen in earnest, uh, you know, until in terms later. of enforcement until yeah. later, until the yeah. Antichrist comes on the scene. But these are all baby steps, so to speak, to get us to that Absolutely. point. Absolutely. We keep talking about uh, preparation. This is preparation in a huge way. I mean, this is, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's what's happening. We're getting ready. Wow. If we thought 9-11 was a prep, you know, yeah. when we saw the, when we saw the, uh, the introduction of Homeland Security, yeah. which we all bought into in the aspect of, you know, what we need to do to protect our country. Yeah. But it introduced a whole different level of governmental controls and observations that we really weren't aware of. Why? Because all we were concerned about, man, we don't we don't need another plane bombing. Right. We don't need another terrorist bombing. Right. So we're going to lay down our freedoms. Yeah. In order for for safety. And, and then once again, what was the motivation? Fear. 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 Exactly. Amazing. It is. Wow. It really is. All right, Pastor Mark. For the time that we've got left. Uh, let's get some good news in here. Uh, this is from ChristianHeadlines.com, dated December 14th. Patient comes to Jesus after a surgeon prays over him before he operates on him. Yeah, <laughs> That's always is... a good idea anyway, praying before you operate and praying before you eat. Yeah, but seeing things. how this happened is really cool. And again, seeing that we have God has his people everywhere leading people to Christ. Again, here's, listen to this story. A surgery was about to be canceled. Because the man had a blood pressure that was too high to give him anesthesia. But rather than give up, Dr. Michael Hagland, one of the top cervical uh, surgeons in the country, prayed. Several minutes later, the patient's blood pressure lowered enough that they could be euthanized, and the surgery was successful. Uh, in an interview with CBN News, Dr. Hagelin recalled the incident, sharing this, and I quote, The anesthesiologist came in the room and said, Mike, you're not going to be able to do the surgery. After questioning why the surgery was going to be canceled, Dr. Hagelin recalled the anesthesiologist replying, well, because the blood pressure is like 220 over 120. We can't put someone to sleep with that kind of blood pressure. Wow. Hagelin then asked to pray over the patient before officially canceling the surgery, which was the anesthesiologist reportedly responded, okay, I'm fine with that, whatever. <laughs> and Dr. Hagelin went, went on to pray for the patient, and his blood pressure eventually dropped. He said, I went on to pray for him. He calmed down a little bit. It went from 220 to 170. That's major after he prayed. We did the surgery. He's doing great. His pain is gone. And he got back to work in two weeks. The story, however, doesn't end there. Here's where it really gets great. Six weeks after the surgery, and this was no doubt a follow-up you know, uh, appointment, the patient came back to the hospital to tell Dr. Hagelin that something had changed. Dr. Hagelin said, I, I saw him in six weeks, and he came in and said, you know, that prayer you prayed for me? And he said, yes. He said, something changed. Something's different. It, and so he said, right there in the clinic, we prayed, and he accepted Christ. And he said, that's what it's all about. This isn't the first time prayer has been documented to work in clinical settings. Three separate studies all found that those who were prayed for did better than those who were not. Additionally, experienced medical researcher H. Richard Kasdorf wrote a book in which he investigated 10 miracles and found people with irreversible health conditions were healed after prayer. God answers prayer. God is supernatural, and Dr. Hagelin, praise the Lord for doctors like this that aren't afraid to say, you know what, let's pray, let's do this thing and watch what God does. I encourage you out there, pray before you have surgery. If you're a believer, I know you're doing that. Even some of you that may not be believers, you're doing it. But pray, uh, don't be afraid to be bold about it. You know, God is there to help, and it's just a great, this is a great, you know, as they say, feel-good story. And uh, again, just a reminder that God does hear us, and God does answer prayer. And God is our great physician. That's right. And you know what? Maybe some of you need prayer out there today. Let us know if you need prayer. Contact Calvary Knoxville. We'll pray for you. And um, and again, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you know, what a great time again. This is the time we celebrate God coming to save mankind. If you've not made that commitment and God has touched your heart today, if you if you recognize you need a Savior, you know you're guilty of sin, just ask his forgiveness right now. Tell him you believe that he died for your sins on the cross and that his sin takes your his blood takes your sin away. 
ask him to forgive you and follow Jesus. Uh, what a great way, what a great time to enter the kingdom. The Lord loves you and he's ready when you're ready. Mm. Amen, Pastor Mark. That's right. He is ready and always waiting for us. Uh, folks, thanks for staying with us for 2020. Uh, guaranteed that prophecy is going to continue to crank on in 2021. So we will be back in a couple of weeks on January 8th to continue to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today are pointing to God's prophetic word, his signs of the times. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll see you in 2021. for a good old-fashioned Christmas like the one I had when I was nine. It seems like things have gotten so commercial. I saw a commercial just last night. Why do things have to change so fast? There would be no Christmas without Jesus. He's not old-fashioned. He never changes. You get to decide what kind of Christmas you'll have. Jesus is just waiting for the invitation to your celebration. WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way.